Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to day number 400 in our three-year journey through God's Word. We're on our way through the Bible, one chapter at a time, and we're trying to see Christ in all of Scripture so that we can draw closer to Him. It's not just about reading the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible, but it's about seeing and knowing Christ and drawing closer to him in our walk with him. So let's ask the Lord to help us do that this morning as we look at 1 Samuel 24. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word that is perfect, breathed out by you, given to us as a gift, precious. Father, write your word on our hearts. Help us to see Christ and to love him more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 24, we get the first time when David has an opportunity to take Saul's life, but he spares him. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king! And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, Out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? 
After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea. May the Lord, therefore, be judge, and give sentence between me and you, and see to it, and plead my case, and deliver me up from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you dealt well with me, so that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me therefore by the Lord that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. It's First Samuel 24 in the ESV. This is a wonderful story, just as a story itself. It's just really compelling. And so we see David here, and he's... He's hiding out in the caves. He's got maybe 600 men with him. We've heard numbers of his men, 400, 600. We're not sure exactly how many he has at this point in time. But Saul comes out against three or four or 600 men with 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel. And the idea that these are chosen men out of all Israel means these are the best warriors in Israel's army. These are the ones that are battle-tested, that are valiant, that are capable men of war. There would have been, you know, 100,000 men or more in Israel's army, potentially. And these are the 3,000. This is like the top 3% of the troops. And so he's, he's pursuing David with overwhelming superior uh, power. And yet, biology being biology, he's got to take care of business. And so he goes into a cave to relieve himself. And there is no time when you are more vulnerable than when you are in a dark cave and taking care of business and David and his men are further back in the cave. Here they have him outnumbered hundreds to one. David by himself could take out Saul or he could just nod to his men and they could do away with Saul very, very quickly. And so this is the opportunity. And and David's men, who are practical men of war, who are used to, you know, having to sneak around again. Think about the guys who came out to be with David. They were uh, the the outcasts, the riffraff, the people who were the dregs of society. They, they, They were used to sort of underhanded ways and 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 cheating and scheming and you know that kind of thing and so so they see the opportunity they're just like hey you can slit his throat he wouldn't even know what happened king never comes out 
army disbands and goes home, and then maybe you can go into Jerusalem and, and be hailed as king. Because pretty much everybody in Israel knew at this point that David was a better warrior than Saul. It just seemed to make so much sense, right? Now, this is where we get ourselves into trouble. Whenever we're thinking from a human perspective about what seems to make so much sense, rather than reasoning from a biblical perspective about what is right, about what is God's will. But David's not reasoning like his men. David is reasoning like a man after God's own heart. And so David persuades his men. The Lord forbid, he says in verse 6, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. This is one of the places where we see Christ here, is that David, three different times, twice to his men and then once to Saul, tells us that the reason why he will not stretch out his hand and strike down Saul is that Saul is the Lord's anointed, which means David is not thinking about things and looking at things from a human perspective about a political power play or a competition between two mighty warriors, and he's clearly the better warrior. He's even the better man, right? But Saul is the Lord's anointed. And I say we see Christ here because anointed here is Messiah. And Christ is the Greek for Messiah. So all of the all three of the anointed offices of the Old Testament priest, king, prophet. They are the anointed of the Lord. Jesus comes as the Messiah, the anointed one, who is prophet, priest, and king in one man. And he is the perfection of what it means to be anointed. And and here's the irony. The Jewish leadership in Jesus' day would have known 1 Samuel 24, would have taught 1 Samuel 24, they would have praised David for his restraint in not being politically calculating and stretching out his hand against the Lord's anointed. But what did they do themselves? They ran the political calculations and said, here is a man who is mightier than we are, who is more popular than we are, who is a threat to our political position, And so we have to do away with him. And they were not hesitant to stretch out their hands against the Lord's anointed, against the Messiah. So even though they had this story and they knew it and they taught it and they praised it, they did the opposite of David. They struck down and killed the Lord's anointed using Rome to do so. So we can see Christ here in, in, in the contrast between the way that David approached Saul and the way that the Jewish leadership in Jesus' day approached Jesus. <clears throat> but we also see here David's innocence, David's righteousness. David hasn't done anything wrong. And he's, he's, he's showing that to Saul <laughs> so clearly, like he has the evidence in his hand, the cut off corner of his robe, 
Saul asks David to pledge that he will not basically stamp out Saul's household after he becomes king. This is one of one of the few clear moments in Saul's life after he, you know, sort of turns all the way away from the Lord and is troubled by evil spirits. This is one of the few clear-headed moments where he acknowledges, you are a better man than I, for you've repaid me good, whereas I've repaid you evil. I know that you are going to be king. But then he asks him not to stamp out his family. You see, in the ancient world, the normal thing when there was a change of dynasty, and you see this later in the history of the northern kingdom of Israel, where there are several changes of dynasties in the later northern kingdom of Israel, Whenever there's a change of dynasty in the ancient world, the, the new power kills all of the line of the old power, lest one of them come back and claim the throne. <clears throat> and so Saul is pleading with David, and David swears that to Saul. The last thing we see David doing here in this chapter is he is making an oath to Saul that he will not destroy his offspring. And notice if you remember, he's already made a promise to Jonathan that he will be faithful to Jonathan's household. And we'll see later how David keeps that promise. But there's this amazing contrast between David and Saul here. And it's the greater son of David. It's, it's the, David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who David is reflecting here. Because while the Jewish religious leaders of Jesus' day would have praised David. They acted more like Saul. They would have honored David. They would have, you know, they had a, a place in, in Jerusalem where, they, where David was buried and they honored his tomb. And they would have praised him as, you know, the greatest king uh, in the history of Israel and a man after God's own heart. But they were acting more like Saul than David. But David here is a foreshadowing and a type, he's acting more like Jesus. Because Jesus, when he's being crucified by the Romans, he says from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus, when he is spit upon and beaten and reviled, he does not revile in return. He does not repay evil for evil. But he overcomes evil with the goodness of his obedience to his Father. And he did that for us and for our salvation. So may the Lord bless us by his grace to be able to walk like David in this chapter, like Jesus, not to be politically calculating or self-seeking, not to think in an earthly way. We can do this in little ways, in interpersonal relationships at work or in our family, or we can do so on a broader scope in the culture. And we can think, well, if they did that to us and we should get back at them like this, and this is the way that we can win and we can get the upper hand here. And this is how I get the promotion. And this is how I get one up better on this guy. We can't think that way. We have to trust the Lord and we have to love our neighbors. In doing that, we are imitating David here in this chapter, and more importantly, we're imitating Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we can learn from this chapter. Thank you for the good example we have here from David. We pray that you would lead us to be humble and gentle and kind, not to repay anyone evil for evil, but to overcome evil with good. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, your anointed, who went to the cross for us and suffered that we might be saved. 
We praise you in his name. Amen. Well, that's day 400. I hope that you have been blessed by our journey through God's word so far, and I hope you can join us tomorrow. We'll be in the Psalms. I think it's uh, Psalms 58 and 59, somewhere around there. We'll have two Psalms on tap for tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.